What is up, guys, and welcome to another episode of Guarani Vision, the first ever podcast dedicated to Paraguayan football in English. As always, I'm Roberto Rojas, and joining me as always are my three great co-hosts, Federico Perez, Maria Britos, and Ralph Hanna. And guys, Happy New Year it is finally 2022. We are entering year three, hard to believe it, of Guarani Vision. I am super excited to be joining with you all again, talking about the beautiful game of Paraguayan football. We got a lot to obviously talk about today. We have a lot to really look forward to, I guess, in the next 12 months. We have so much to really go into, and I'm actually excited about this, but I kind of want to hear from you guys because it's been a while. Obviously, there have been some things that have been going on in Paraguay. Obviously, the last time we spoke, we saw some champions be crowned. We saw some players lead. We saw a big historic team actually go down to the second division. So there's been a lot that's been going on in our month hiatus, and we're not going to go into that, obviously, because I think many people would not, uh, they'll, we'll have to time to do it, but I just want everyone's thoughts to just really what they're looking forward to. And what better way to get things started? Let's go straight to the motherland to Federico Perez, our, I'd say night owl in this case, because apparently he does not like to wake up in the morning at times. But Fede, happy new year. And first of all, how are you feeling heading into this new year? Uh, what is another vital year for Paraguayan football? Happy 2020. Two for everybody in one <laughs> vision. Hi, Roberto. Hi, Maria. Hi, Ralph. Hi to everybody uh, listening to us from the other side of the world or wherever you are actually just listening to this podcast, coming to our YouTube channel again for another year. Yeah, it's the third year. I can't believe it. Uh, holidays are over. My holidays were actually pretty calm, pretty chilling in the city, this warm, very hot city actually in this time of the year. So if you don't like the that hot temperature, don't go out that much. You're just with your AC on, especially with, with just games to watch on TV these days. We don't have games yet here in Paraguay. We're waiting for that. That will start at the end of January when we have the national team play against Uruguay in Cerro Porteño Stadium. That's actually a very big news because the national team usually plays in Defensores of Chaco and they have actually have changed the venue. They want to change energies. They want to change the stadium. They don't know what else to do to see if this team can actually uh, win a game and let's keep that flame going, right? That, that, that flag waving, we, we really need that ball to keep on rolling this year, especially with the national team, because it is 2020, it is a World Cup year, even though I'm not feeling it too much yet, Roberto, especially when we talk about the other Roca, but eventually we will get to that by the end of the year. Hopefully, Paraguay will be there. If not, we have a lot of, uh, we have a lot of Paraguay in football. We have the local leagues, we have the Sudamericana, we have the Libertadores, we have a lot of exciting teams actually building up. Some are actually maintaining a lot of the structure we saw last year. Some teams are going to be totally new. We have new, we have four new teams also on the top flight. So we have so much to talk about. I don't know where we're going to get started, but it's just great to see all four of you healthy. I'm so happy, so glad that we're starting a new year here in Warani Vision. I was going to say, I don't know about warm, Fede. I think we might go into a bit more of... Uh... I would say hot. I guess that's the next level. I'm looking at those temperatures, man. I'm thinking to myself, dear God, I have to deal with this in two weeks. I'm like, oh, well, to be fair, I mean, I was suffering in 10 degree weather the, the other day. So I'm happily take anything above uh, triple digits at this point. But yeah, you're right. It is a weird year. And I'll go to Ralph on this one because 
you know, it, it is a it is a weird year, as I mentioned, you know, a, a World Cup qualifier happening in January. He just recently posted a tweet saying that that hasn't been done in about almost 25 years or something along those lines. So this is uncharted territory for a lot of these players. And, you know, obviously that is the big hope for this team, that they're still in this position to qualify for the World Cup. It's going to be difficult. Obviously, the new change in setting, playing at La Nueva Olla instead of playing at the Defensores del Chaco, their historic home for various decades. This is something that I think is coming at such a drastic moment and, and such a critical moment for this team. But yeah, you know, obviously big years as well for, for a lot of these Paraguay teams who hopefully can demonstrate a good showing in the continental competitions like the Copa Libertadores and the Sudamericana. And of course, like you had mentioned, Fede, let's see how the new guys do, the new boys in town and see how they can pair out in the Primera División. Yeah, that's right. There's lots to look forward to. One thing you haven't mentioned as well that's going to be interesting this year from a national team point of view is the women's team are playing the Copa America. So the Copa America, remember, is is like your ticket to the World Cup. And I think if I'm right in thinking the women's World Cup's expanded, which means they have an even better chance of qualifying than previously. Paraguay's women's team have a new manager as well. They have a new coach, just like the men's team. They brought in a guy from from Brazil to try and to try and you know change things around after a long I would say like quite a stagnant time for for women's football so let's see what happens there that's interesting that's maybe more exciting than the men's team because considering where Paraguay are in the World Cup qualifiers and the difficulties they have and then what I'm really looking forward to for me is is these new teams in uh, Primera particularly Resistencia and and Taquari because Resistencia have I've made a couple of good signings. They've got a really, they've got a coach that has won two titles. He's, he won uh, Tiburon Torres. He won the title with Cerro and he won it with Libertad. So, I mean, this is a good manager. They have that bringing in that team. And then, and then Taquari seem to be signing some, some clever players. Maybe we'll talk about a bit more about transfers, but, but they could, they could both be, be interesting in this, in this revamp season. And we're finally back to 12 teams in Primera as well. So, because of the pandemic, they were playing with only 10 teams last year. And it, it was too short, the tournament, to be honest. I think now this is the perfect length. We'll see these these 22 game, two short tournaments. So looking forward to, to that, I think, more than anything. Absolutely. Like you said, um, obviously, it is an expanded World Cup, 32 teams, three of them coming from South America. So that does boost the odds for Paraguay to go into, hopefully, their maiden World Cup in uh the, the Oceania region. So we'll definitely have to see what happens there. Uh, but Maria, I'll go to you on this one because, you know, obviously you, you really look at it now. You think, oh, wow, uh, the season just ended. We saw how Cerro Bordeño won that league in the most dramatic fashion possible. You saw Olympia winning two titles and arguably probably one of their worst years in their history. Yet they still did it. I mean, but now everything's going back. Everything's now changing a new chip. Libertadores is beginning, so Americana, the league everything's really going into to full on overdrive, I would say, and even with the national team as well. So it's a great way, I guess, to start the year. And you don't really typically see that as well. And at least in this part of the world, when it comes to, to um, Paraguay soccer. Yeah, it's true. Um, it's a brand new year for, for everyone, especially for um, our teens and especially for Olympia, get a fresh start once again. Uh, they do have some uh, issues lingering from this past year, but 
you know, it, it, they, it, it's a brand new opportunity to make a, a better season, to, uh, to do things right this time around. Um, and hopefully, you know, get some uh, wins, uh, more wins than last, than last season. But um, actually, I was going to say, um, I am looking forward to something a little different. Um, I, um, and it's, well, I guess it's not so different, but I actually, I'm actually looking forward to seeing Roque Santa Cruz and, uh, playing in Libertad um, in his new team. You know, he's been one of, uh, one of my favorite players ever since I can remember. And just seeing him changing into um, a, new, a new, brand new team just out of nowhere, I think it, it, it surprised a lot of people, even though it didn't surprise uh, some, you know what I mean? It, it was like a shock, but not really. Uh, he had uh, some issues at Olympia and um, he finally decided to leave. So I, I think I want to I want to see more of him playing um, at, at Libertad. Hopefully they give him that opportunity. Um, it is the ending of his career. So we'll see how long he'll stay there. Um, and maybe, I don't know, maybe he does retire with, with Libertad. That would be something completely weird but um i think i think he'll be a, a great uh addition to this new libertad that's looking good i think they're gonna have a great year last 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 year they had um, an amazing run so uh, with adding you know such talents like Roque santa cruz uh, i think they're just they're becoming one of the the biggest teams in in paraguay in my opinion well, it's, it's curious that, that you say that, Mania, because I think a lot of people who obviously do support your team in Olympia were absolutely distraught when they saw someone that grew up in that Olympia Academy, you know, basically thanks to Olympia, it got him the career that he had in Europe and on the national team. Everyone thought that when he came back, that that was going to be where he was going to stay for for the rest of his career, even, you know, there had been that mention of that he was going to retire, but then this U-turn happened of going to Libertad, and there is a lot of rumors going on of what really happened, why did it happen, you know, you can go and, and look at the political standpoint, obviously, Horacio Cartes, the former uh, president of the country, has a big influence in how much cash is in that club, allowing them to bring in the players that they want, including Roque Santa Cruz, but like you had mentioned, Maria, I mean, from your standpoint, I mean, doesn't it feel, a, you said it's a, it feels a bit weird, but, you know, I, I think there are a lot of Olympia fans who felt a bit betrayed by the fact that he went to such a club of the Irritad, but you also have to look at some of the problems that the club was facing, and I don't really blame him for wanting to leave, because he, it's like, you know, I've done everything I've done in my career, you know, I don't deserve to go out like this, you know, maybe he wants to go out on the top, win something, maybe a title on the local league or internationally. So in a way you feel a bit kind of weird at the fact that he goes to a direct rival, but at the same time, you could probably understand his reasons as to why he did it. I can understand it to a point, but I would say he did win everything. He went back and he won everything with Olympia. He won like five league titles, the, the last game he just played, he won the Supercopa against, uh, against Paraguay, the Supercopa against Cerro. They just won the, the Copa Paraguay. So he was winning stuff and he was meant to retire. This was the bit that's the strangest thing for me is that he was going to retire. And even I remember interviewing Roque when he just come back to Paraguay and he was like, yeah, I'm so tired. My body's tired. I suffered a lot of injuries. 
and that was like five years back and it's the guy just keeps going um i find it i do still find it really strange a, a friend of mine sent me a, a photo he's just got a signed libertad shirt from roque and it just looks so strange <laughs> like we we're not used to seeing roque signing a, a black and white shirt that isn't olympias so it, this was one of the ones that really really surprised me it, the the one thing i'll just say i was trying to think like was this like when figo goes to barcelona or, or real madrid you know i was trying to think of the chances the one this is closest to me for is those who remember Steven Gerrard always played at Liverpool. He was rumored heavily to go to Chelsea, really heavily, it, it, to the point that I think he scored an own goal in the cup final against Chelsea in the League Cup final that, you know, when all the rumors were, were around. And in the end, he didn't go. But I thought this was very similar because he's not going to settle. He's not going to his the number one rival, which he would never do. But he is going to the new boys, the big money, the team that have come in and, and made big big headlines in the last 20 years or so because Libertad has really Libertad is a very historic club but they've only really had success in the last 20 years so it reminded me of if Gerard had gone to Chelsea I think this is a kind of the kind of feel I would have got about it you know who is actually you can actually compare this to I think at least for me uh the move for for Messi from Barcelona to PSG you know, an, a, a club so dear to his heart, uh, to both of their hearts, um, something happens along the way, you know, in the, in the back office, uh, money issues, uh, things that, that are out of their control. And, you know, boom, they just move into, you know, like you said, big money, brand new money, you know, like Libertad and PSG. So I think that comparison is actually uh, a good one. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, Fede, I mean, obviously you're over there, you have more of a, a direct um, approach and, and obviously hearing from people on the ground who obviously support the team. I mean, what, what is the vibe? You know, the fact that a player like him that, okay, he's huge in a way, obviously important that and has been important for Olympia. But again, this this is a 40-year-old player as well. This isn't the same Roque Santa Cruz that we saw a couple of years ago. This is a completely different one. So in a way, it feels as if, though, yes, he did make this move, but I wonder what Lirita really gained from this, honestly, because you, you look at that, you have him, you have uh, Oscar Cardoso, who is 38 as well, and you think to yourself, is that really the team that you want to lead into the back, into the front um, to go for titles this year, having to deal with these veterans? Well, it's not the first time Libertad actually has done this over the last years. I mean, you talked about Cartes, which, which is actually the person behind the whole project. With Carnero, obviously, the head coach. Carnero was very important to Roque Santa Cruz. At his time in Olympia, we should also mention that. I think Carnero was a big part of convincing Roque to keep on going with his career because just as Ralph was saying, Maria also, uh, a lot of people were actually thinking that Roque's career was going to be over last year at the end of the season. I mean, that's what a lot of people heard at the beginning of 2021, even from uh, Roque Santa Cruz, but it was actually the last uh, dance with Olympia. He actually wants to keep on playing. That's the that's the big issue right now uh, for him. He wanted to keep on playing, and Olympia had the worst year uh, ever since Roque actually arrived. I mean, these guys weren't getting paid. Roque was actually putting in money from his own pocket, uh, and you know he had 
too much things on top of his uh, on top of his shoulders that uh, a player shouldn't have uh, because he is a legend of the club. Also, I mean, we can you guys are comparing him, uh, Gerard of, of Liverpool. I can say Totti from from Rome. I mean, these guys are symbols of their clubs. You know, Roque Santa Cruz is that to Olympia. He left very young. He he was one of the best players sold from Paraguay to the to the uh, outside uh, to another country and he went to play to Germany he went to play to the Premier League I mean this was our best uh, uh, player out there and for Olympia uh, fans I, I think they were heartbroken uh, and from heartbroken they actually uh, I think they're actually pretty mad at Roque Santa Cruz right now just because of the thing of just how everything Uh, turned out and where he ended up going. The offer was always there. Uh, I mean, Horacio Cardenas always wants to have these players on his club just because he loves them. Uh, he, he was with them back in the days uh, on the national team. Also, right before the end of the year, we had uh, Nelson Aelo Valdez say goodbye to, to football and they were all together and you could just see that they're all friends, that they love to hang around. And obviously, uh, you have Roque Santa Cruz. He's about to be over with his career. You're at Horacio Cardenas. You have the money to bring him. He's pure, he's quality still. I mean, he can give you maybe a good game or even more. He did it with Olympia. Why not have him on the roster? Money is not an issue in Libertad. So just bring on all these players and take them away from a rival. <laughs> They're taking a good player away from Olympia also. And this is not the only one they've taken away from Olympia lately. Uh, they took Willie Mendieta also. And Olympia is right now with their hands tied. They can't bring anybody in. So uh, that's why Libertad is making this impact on the on, on this transfer window that, that was open. I, I do think they gained a good player, but it is going to be interesting to see how they do with all these veterans and how much game time they actually have. Uh, in this 2022, Roberto. But I, I yeah. think uh, I think Roque made the right decision. Uh, yeah. Uh, Olympia Olympia was was not there for him uh, lately, and he was not comfortable. He, he didn't become the star that he thought he was going to become. And the red carpet was there, but the party wasn't wasn't as as fun as he thought it was going to be. Yeah, and I think after a while, you if a, par if a party gets boring, you go to another one. You know, I think that's kind of. And that party over there in Tujuqua is probably the one that he wanted to see. So, yeah, it's it's weird. I mean, we're going to have to see how he fares. We're going to see what kind of impact he will have on Ganero's team, if he will be a starter, if he's even going to be a sub, you know, what kind of featured player that he will become. And, you know, ultimately, I think that's all going to depend on how Libertad really go into this season. And, you know, we're going into uh, some other transfer rumors that have been going on because apart with players joining Libertad, there have been also some players that might be leaving Libertad. Two of them in particular are the big ones, two of them national team players, two of them young stars, one a very young one and one that has also been established for a couple of years. I'm going to start off with the the older one, I guess we could say, of the two, and that's Sebastián Pereira. Sebastián Pereira, obviously a striker at Libertad, has been you know scoring a lot of goals for Libertad, also has had a career in Mexico playing at Morelia, is scheduled to go to MLS and join the Houston Dynamo, you know, a, a team that has obviously been on some hard times. I mean, obviously a side that really hasn't contend for the title in quite some time. And here they are possibly going for Libertad's uh, Sebastián Pereira, Fede, a big player that I think would be a great deal for the MLS. You know, they just also got rid of Jesus Medina, who, you know, obviously had just won as well. MLS Cup with NYCFC is off to CSK Moscow by all reports. 
So yeah, this this might be a big move for for him, but also I think maybe a big loss for Libertad, don't you think? Yeah, but Libertad, you know, they don't usually sell players, but when they sell them, they sell them for a pretty good amount of money. And I think those this, this was that kind of offer, you know, those kind of offers that you can't resist. And the player obviously wants to leave when a big offer like this comes. It's good for him also. And the MLS, I mean, you guys can tell me better about, about it, but I mean, Paraguay and players, I think, are, are very well looked over there. And it, you, we had Jesus Medina, like you said, being champion lately. And that just, I think, opens doors for even more players to come into the league. Uh, Luis Amarilla, not, not, not long ago, was also a striker in the team over there. So why not make room for a player like Sebastian Ferreira, which is a very good striker. If, he, if he's hot uh, in the box, I mean, he can score a lot of goals in, in a season. He can be very important for a team. And he was that kind of player for Libertad lately. lately. I mean, he was sitting down uh, Oscar Cardoso, and he was sitting down some pretty good players on the bench because he was having uh, a really good time. Uh, on the pitch, and I actually thought that he he had a really good season, and I'm actually not surprised to see him leave, uh, but I am surprised about these amounts of money that that, that the MLS is, is paying, and I'm I'm really happy that they're actually looking straight to Paraguay to take these players, that they're not waiting for our guys to leave the country, and it's great. It's, I think it's, it's going to be a good move for him, and hopefully he can get that team running and playing for something important like you said they, they you don't usually go for the title hopefully with him on the board uh, 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 he, they can actually do something next season and yeah, it's a good it's one of those transfers it's, it's pretty good business for all parties because like Fede was saying Libertad don't usually want to sell he's he probably isn't worth six million Dollars, or they're not going to receive a six million dollar offer from anybody else. So, so it's good business for Libertad. It's good for Sebas Pereira because he even finished joint top scorer in the Clausura, but he he wasn't always a regular starter. It was towards the back end of the season that he started pushing out uh, Cardoso. But what he knew when he saw Rocket coming in and what he knows Libertad will do is they're going to get more players, and there's a lot of competition. And he, he feels, I think, that I'm just the top scorer. I can, I can go and be a kind of star player. I can lead. I can start every game. So he gets that opportunity at Houston Dynamo. So it's good for him too. And then for Houston themselves, $6 million is quite a lot of money, but they had the DP slot, slot open for him because I think they just moved things around. So, so for them, it's, you know, you could spend $6 million on a total flop, whereas here you're buying a young player that... If things go right, you can sell on for more money as well. So I think I think for all the parties, it's it's worked quite nicely. And the fact that he has played in Mexico, I would say that's the most similar league you have to MLS. That if you're thinking of comparison, and he scored something like I think it was seven games in seven goals in thirteen games for Morelia. He didn't play very long, but but when he was playing, he was scoring. So everything points towards that he could. Uh, he could do well there. And just one funny thing about Ceres Pereira, he, when he made his debut for, for Olympia, he came through in Olympia. He made his debut in the, in the Clásico. When he played his first Clásico, he only lasted nine minutes because he was taken off for Roque Santa Cruz. He was, he, this was when you had to obligatory play under 19s players, and he was this 19-year-old. 
and Roque replaces him after just nine minutes. So I wonder if he thought when he saw Roque make the move to Libertad, he thought, oh, no, not again. <laughs> and he didn't want to play second fiddle again. So he's off to, to the U.S. Yeah, and you know, Maria, I think obviously looking at how, you know, the difficult part I think has been, you know, for Paraguayan players to do well in MLS. I mean, we've had a ton that go there, but as of late, you know, it's with certain exceptions, obviously it, it does take a while for them to, to really explode, I guess, on the scene in MLS. I mean, the only big one that really was the, the, the main jewel, I guess, for Paraguayan football was Almiron, but he was playing in Argentina before he went to MLS. So it's up to someone like Ferreira and, and, you know, obviously the other players that are there as well to really start to demonstrate that, you know, there is something out there in the Paraguayan game and that they can prove it in MLS. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think uh, Almiron put such a big standard for all these players now. So it's kind of hard to live up to that expectation, I think, but I think they, they are doing well. Um, you know, we we had the the winner not too long ago, New York in 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 New York. So it's, I think they're doing well. Um, I think you know, I was thinking while we're we're having this conversation, MLS has been one of the one of the one of the um, leagues that have opened the doors to Paraguay uh, much more than any other league, uh, even uh, well, I I want to say like much more than than Europe. In, in, in actually, because uh, South America is obviously big with Paraguay with Paraguayans. So um, for them to to open just their doors to to Paraguayan players, it's it's already big. And um, you know, like I said, uh, living up to Almiron's expectations uh, could take some time, but I think uh, we'll we'll get there little by little. And similar to what Almiron has kind of influenced players who are playing uh, in MLS. We also have to talk about a possible rumor that could indeed happen for a Paraguayan player heading off to arguably the biggest league in the world. And that I'm talking about is the Premier League. And the person I'm speaking about is a player that we've spoken about multiple times on this show, soon to be 18-year-old Julio Enciso. Ralph, obviously, the big rumor is coming from Paraguay that has really been heating up in the last few days, how a team called Brighton and Hove Albion are rumored to have really have a bunch of interest on this young kid, a player that has really exploded onto the scene so quickly for his club, then playing a few minutes on the national team. And here comes Brighton with this interest. And like you said, um, Ralph, I mean, this is something that if, if Lee that are genuinely serious about selling him, they need to sell for the right price. I mean, we've been hearing rumors of 5 million pounds, 10 million pounds, apparently of what Everett has to offer, but ultimately speaking, if this goes through, I mean, wow. I mean, that, that only one player in history has um, jumped ship from Paraguay straight to the Premier League, and it's a player that we have spoken on this show before, Diego Gavilan. So for a player like Enciso to get this move to Brighton, not only would it be huge for him and for Paraguay football, but uh, it would be, I guess, something that has been rarely done before and hasn't been done in over two decades. It would be very exciting if it happens for for a couple of reasons, I think. One is that Julio Enciso, we know he's so good. He's this raw talent and he's he's been doing so well. So we want to see, can he do this outside of South America? Because he's done it in also in the Copa Sudamericana. He scored some important goals as well. So, or, or made assists. So he's... Um, 
he's you know he's really exciting unless if they throw him in there that would be of interest and then the other thing is that the destination or the the proposed destination of Brighton is fascinating because what Brighton have been doing in the Premier League is having a very specific style kind of a set way of playing they've got that team working really well and then their recruitment has tried to match that and if you look at Brighton they've recruited from all over the world they've done they've done very well in bringing in players and they've had a good eye on South America so they picked up for example uh, Moises Caicedo from Ecuador who was one of the most highly rated teenagers in in South American football and and it was Brighton who managed to get him even though they're I think they're ninth in the league at the moment they're not you know one of the top sides but they were which is tough to do in any case you know for a team like Brighton to be ninth in the Premier League is, is, is very big yeah, that speaks a lot to the structure of the club, the current coach, Graham Potter, and and what they're what they're doing there. In in terms of Enciso as well, I mean, I the first I heard about this is is getting some questions about paperwork for the UK uh, from from people that are involved in the deal, and I was like, no, but he can't go because he he doesn't turn eighteen yet. And then I realized, oh, his eighteenth birthday is the twenty second of January, so it just falls in this transfer window, which which makes it possible. And of course, all the clubs want to get in there quickly because they know this, this player is very hot. And if he has a good six months, let's say, in the Copa Libertadores, his value goes up even higher. But what we're seeing at the moment, the reason nothing is really happening is there's no confirmation. This is all rumour. But from what we understand is that Libertad are holding out. If, if they've just got $6 million for Sebastian Ferreira, $6 million, they definitely want more than that for Julio and Cesar. They they rate him higher. He's about five years younger, so they're you know they're going to be holding out for more. What what we've heard, I think Roberto has shared it with me as well. Is there's there's an agent here saying there's there's loads of clubs interested. It's not just Brighton. Whether this is true or whether it's just a negotiation negotiation tactic or whether it's true, it does speak to to Libertad hold all the. They they hold all the power in this situation because, as Pede was saying when we talked about Roque or, or Sebas Pereira, Libertad don't need the money. They, they're fully self-sustained by Horacio Cartes, so they can hold out for a big offer. So let's see what happens. It's, we're on the 13th today, so it's nine days until his 18th birthday. But I think we'll see next week more and more something happening. And, and I really hope it is Brighton because that would be a great move for him. Hopefully they don't hold out too long that that the deal falls off and then the big opportunity for the young kid falls off, you know? Yeah, no, that, that that's really it. And Fede, you know, you had mentioned, you know, Libertad are not a selling club. You know, they've never been that way. And they've had youngsters before. Obviously, the big one was Ivan Franco. He had been rumored to teams in Europe. I think PSG and Borussia Dortmund were even offered it. Tobocasas as well has been a has been a, a player that was such a, a promise at Libertad and had so much interest around the world, but he, he didn't leave until later in his career. And this has been something that I think is the risk for some players who join Libertad. Like they get the, all the, the financial um, stability and whatnot, but at the end of the day, you know, they, they still want to go and play for the bigger teams outside of not just Paraguay or South America, just, you know, playing Europe and playing those big teams because Lucena as well, you know, obviously is a crucial play for Cedro, but, you know, was really highly talented. But for someone like Enciso, you know, someone that jumped straight into the national team at such a young age, which 
hasn't been done before in, in a long time. It's it's a rare feat for players to play on the national team so young. It's only happened to, I think Sanabria was one of the youngest one, Roque at one point as well. So for Enciso's case, uh, this this deal, it doesn't come every so often. I think Libertad really need to, to think through about this and, and go for it in the end. Yeah, yeah, Libertad has so many players. They, they usually loan so many players and not even – not only on the first division, they, they do it on the lower divisions also just because they are such a good academy. They, 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 they bring up so much talent. They bring up so many good players. A lot of players in the country want to play for Libertad because of the stability that you're talking about. Uh, Libertad has also helped them study. Uh, Libertad also helps them. Uh, helps their family members. They usually give them. They also. They usually give them a job. That that actually happened to Julio Ciso's parents also. So you know they, they get them going. It's not just about football. You know it's about life also. And and that's why when these big offers come, you know the players they they leave it for they leave it to Libertad. You know to take the to the, the decision. They don't put any pressure on the club. That's why Libertad usually has the last word. And just like Ralph saying, uh, they have no issue, no money issues. So uh, uh, Brighton is going to have to pay off if they really want this player. And I think as time goes by, uh, if, if Julio and Ciso keeps on playing on the national team, just because we're not having any under 20 tournaments, if not, he would have probably killed it at one of those. And he would be worth a lot more. Um, I think, as he gets more playing time on the national team, this kid is just going to be worth more and more. I think that's actually one of the requirements on to play for the Premier League, that you have to have some game time uh, on your national team. So this is, has been very important for him. He's, he appears on, on various lists of future uh, uh, brilliant players to follow uh, on the world. And this is actually one of the jewels that we've seen lately from the Paraguayan game. And I'm not surprised that we're talking about six million, seven minutes. I think he's worth even a lot more. He's so young. He's only 18. And we're just seeing the beginning of Julio Ciso. Yeah. So, you know, ultimately, I guess we'll have to see. Obviously, things will get heated up as we get towards the end of the transfer window uh, in Paraguay and obviously all across the world. So we'll definitely have to follow our eyes on that. But let's switch gears on to what's been going on at Cedro. Obviously, the reigning Clausura champions. They are obviously also in the midst of a presidential election. You know, obviously the Safag family is obviously in contention to regain the control yet again of the presidency. But before they did that, they were able to get some crucial players uh, over there as well. They were able to get uh, William Riveros, a, a player that actually featured for a Barcelona de Guayaquil, going all the way to the semifinals of the Copa Libertadores, a defender, a a, a position that I think Cedro definitely needed some strength in. They're also rumored as well. It's not official as of yet, but they do get a player in a position that they kind of wanted to, to straighten ever since the departure of Matias Villasanti to Gremio is Rover Pidis da Mota, a player that we've seen on the national team has played uh, numerously around, um, you know, in different clubs around the world in Turkey. He's played also in Argentina, previously a Flamengo, the, the reigning uh, runners-up of the Libertadores. So, yeah, this is a big one for Cedro. And, of course, keeping today, uh, as of today, actually, the renovation of Jean Fernandez, the goalkeeper of Cedro Porteño. So, you know, um, Ralph, I'll go to you on this one because I, I think it was very much important for Cedro to keep these players, to get these players, but the big one still remains. They still need a striker. 
and they haven't got one yet, obviously, with the departure of uh, Mario Boselli playing at Estudiantes, a club that he's obviously big over there. And, you know, this is the thing, you know, Cerro Porteño are going into this really big transfer window trying to find someone. There had been also some rumors of what's going on with Robert Morales. What's the case for him? So, yeah, this is going to be a crucial couple of weeks for Cerro before they start the, the, the local league. That's right. Not, not so much the local league, the Copa Libertadores. That's always Cerro's um, obsession, right? And as you mentioned, I think it's really important to mention the presidential elections, because what does that mean? There's, that means you have to be, if you're the incumbent and you're, you're trying to keep in, in charge, you have to kind of show that there's a future to the club and, and there's ambition. So the first thing that actually they've done uh, other than buying players was signing Chikiase and making sure Chikiase stays on as the coach, which I think is very important for Cerro because this project that he's been taking forward for the last few years now and will continue, that's that's really the only way I can see them having success. Because you look back at Olympia, when Olympia was doing well, they did the same thing with Garnero. That was the, when, when they managed to keep Garnero and keep that structure in, that's when they won the, the four back-to-back titles. And as you said, they've they've kind of strengthened through the line. So they've got the goalkeeper signed on. They've got Williams Riveros, the centre-back. They've got, it looks like, Pires Damota in central midfield. So they're just missing that striker to replace Bocelli. A couple of names I think that we've heard is Lucas Barrios is maybe looking to, to come to Paraguay. He's... he's uh, He's out of contract. I think that's right. Luis Adriano was mentioned, the uh, the Brazilian player who I think along with Messi is the only player to have scored five goals in the Champions League match. So that would be some signing. But but the suggestion is his wages, his salary is is out of out of possibility. But then if Cerro needs to show this ambition, do you know do the do the Zapag family put the money down to try and to try and you know. Uh, to try and show that show that that they want to compete, that they really want to go for the Libertadores, and that that could be very interesting. I think I think the danger of these big signing players is they can they can easily flop. I mean, Emmanuel Adebayor was a classic example at, at Olympia, but the difference there is he was coming from a totally different uh, playing playing environment with Luis Adriano because he's been in Brazil playing recently. This is a this is where you want to be operating, I think, with players that are already in South America, just playing at a higher level. So that could be that could be really exciting. But I think Cerro fans should be should be quite confident. The one thing maybe they need to keep an eye on is not just Morales, but what about Alexis Duarte? Alexis Duarte could also go. He's this he's the youngest central defender, and if he was sold, then then that does weaken them a little bit. So there's still time in this transfer window for players to come in, but also to go out at Cerro Porteño. Yeah, but Luis Adriano barely played last year in Palmeiras. He kind of lost his spot also. Uh, obviously, this was a team that uh, did it two, two straight years winning the Libertadores. So he, he obviously has learned something about it. He knows a, a thing or two, and he can probably uh, help Cerro Porteño, especially because they have a, a, a young striker like Robert Morales, who, who looks like he wants more game time. He looks like he, he's ready for it also. He was always behind Boselli's shadow, and I think he wants to take over now. This, he wants to take that, that spot. 
so everything's going to be on him also at the beginning of the season, just if they don't bring that striker, right? Uh, I do think they're eventually going to bring a striker. I'm actually surprised they didn't pick a Paraguayan striker just because there's a lot of them out there. Gabriel Avalos doesn't have a club. Uh, Luis Amarilla also doesn't have a club. I thought they were going to go after a player like this. But no, they're actually waiting for an international player. Uh, and they, I've actually been told that they're going to bring two forwards in, not, not just one. So uh, we're going to have to be, uh, we're going to have to be on top of, of Cerro Porteño's news on these last couple of days because something is about to happen. We will definitely see what will happen, obviously, as we talk into, obviously, this transfer window. And I think there is a lot to really go into, guys. I think, obviously, it's going to be an exciting year. I think a lot of things have been going on, but it's always the case with these transfer windows. It's, it's, it always gets heated up for people when it comes on, you know, social media, on Twitter, getting their type of players. But it's just as crucial and important of what's going on in Paraguay. So, guys, I mean, you know, I think this is a great way to close off the show. Another great episode the first one, obviously, of many for 2022. I'm super excited to speak to all of you guys again, talking about the beautiful game in our country that has a, a piece of our heart. So I'm excited of what's going on. I cannot wait for the future episodes. And I think this is a great way to end the show. So for myself, Roberto Rojas, Fede Perez, Maria Britos, and Ralph Hanna, thank you so much for listening to another great episode of Guarani Vision. See you soon. <laughs>